foot here. Fasten your seatbelt. I am taking you for the ride of your life. I'm going to show you what this car can really do. Are you ready? I am ready. Hang on. Okay. Here we go. Hold on to your butts. Go get him, kid. It might be a tumor. It's not a tumor. Not a tumor at all. If you're going to ask me, so you can go ahead and ask me what you're going to ask me, and my natural response could be to get offended. Hey, want to hear the most annoying sound in the world? Yeah, well, you know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. All right, all right, all right. You're listening to the 30 Something Movie Podcast, one movie each week. 30 years in the making. There it is, gentlemen. Nobody fall asleep. Just haunting theme. I feel like this is like a moment of silence for the Godfather movies. Well, the question is going to be, you're listening to the 30-something movie podcast, by the way. Um, the question is going to be whether or not this movie killed the Godfather franchise, uh, or whether this was a worthy successor to the other ones. So, you be the judge, I tell you this. No. Um, Here we go. It had to be every, every episode. It's got to be one in there somewhere. Uh, so this is the 30-something movie podcast. It is Godfather Part 3. I'm kind of excited to talk about this one, and I'm I'm a little worried this could turn into like a two-hour extravaganza because we, based on when the other Godfather movies came out, we have not talked about any of the Godfather movies um, on this podcast at all because it, they were like 10-ish years before we even started our podcast. Because what was it? Uh, Godfather 2 was 74 I feel like 2 was 74, I know the first one was 72, and then I feel like uh, Godfather Part 2 came out in 74, and then this one, okay, and then this one obviously like 15, 16 years later, so. Yeah. So we have not had the chance Which right there is, right there is almost a sign, right? You've got that long of a break between sequels is sometimes not a good thing. Right. Well, and, and have any movies... Well, were there really sequels before The Godfather, maybe Rocky? Or no, Rocky came out later. Yeah, it was after I, don't, I mean, it was almost something kind of more what you almost see in modern movies. Because Rocky, uh, Rocky uh, Godfather 3 wasn't a reboot, but it, it was like, a, we're going to pull this franchise back out and wind it back up. And we're going to see, you know, where did all these characters end up? And, you know, sort of like, um, shoot, what's the Harrison Ford sci-fi uh, Blade Runner, Blade Runner, Blade Runner mm-hmm. 2049, um, the Ghostbusters 3, excuse me, Ghostbusters 3, Mad uh, Max. Bill and, pardon me? Mad Max. Mad Max, Bill and Ted 3, you know, like, so it's almost more of like a, when I watched that, that's what hit me was like, oh, this is more of like a modern convention where this franchise is, you know, over a decade old 
let's see what happens now, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, so I am, I'm kind of excited to talk about this one because yeah. like I said, we haven't had a chance to talk about the other one. So, um, whereas we've run through like a couple of the, uh, I think at this point, are we up to a couple of the, uh, back to the futures? We've done a couple of Rockies and so we've had some sequels here and there, but, uh, so this time around it is episode number three Oh five Godfather part three. We do spoil the movies we talk about. I'm just gonna let the music play. It's, it's fun music. So we're just gonna keep it going here. Yeah. Um, we, uh, we spoil freely. So be warned. Uh, iTunes, please leave us a five-star review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Um, we would appreciate to hear how you feel like we're doing and, and we'd just love to hear from you anyway. So if you want to email or smoke signals or, or whatever you want to do, um, we would love to hear from you and then visit our website, 30podcast.com. That's got all the different spots. You can find more episodes and you can get our voicemail line. Give us a call as well and, and kind of drop us a line there. Uh, tonight I've got with me, well, it may be tonight where you are. It may not be tonight. Um, it's tonight for us and, uh, it's, it's a bit of a late one already. So I'm, I'm, we're going to keep the energy up here. We're going to keep the energy keep up it going, here man. because we're going to keep it going because I, if this episode is like as long as the Godfather movies, then we may be in trouble, but mm-hmm. that's okay. That's all right. Mm-hmm. So far, mm-hmm. so far of the three of us, only a third of us have ever fallen asleep on the podcast. So right. we're that's right. We're going to be good. We're going to be good. That's right, man. Because two out of three, two out of three ain't bad. It's above 500. It's true. It's true. Nobody's and, perfect. And I don't, it was my understanding there would be no math during the podcast, but, um, so as you can hear, I, the dulcet tones of Pat Canagallo and Bo Warmbold are with me tonight. Gentlemen and your dulcet tones, which I guess could be another band name for us. The dulcet tones. The dulcet um, tones. Yeah. It's either second breakfast or the dulcet tones. Second breakfast, and the ooh, tones. second breakfast and the dulcet tones. Second breakfast and the dulcet tones. Now we need more people. We might. Or or my nickname could just be second breakfast. Love fest and second breakfast. Right, you're right. It could be like it could just be like meatloaf, but second breakfast. Wow. Now I need a nickname. I'm just getting hungry now. Now I feel like George yeah. when he tried to get everyone to call him T Bone. Yeah. <laughs> Well, we've got Bo is Love Fest, and apparently now I'm Second Breakfast, so I, I don't know. I don't know what we call you. The Running Man? <laughs> I got I to gotta have the quippy one-liners. Can we? Yeah. Consider this a divorce. Um, we, uh, I don't know. Maybe your nickname is Super Grippy. I don't know if that works for you or not. He's <laughs> got that kung fu grip. He's got, yeah, there you go. <laughs> The, the super grippy kung fu grip. Oh, my gosh. Mm-hmm. Well, that's super a, grippy, what do you think about that? Mm-hmm. There you go. There you go. That's a, that's a, that sounds like a 1970s like superhero cartoon sidekick. <laughs> Superman, Wonder Woman, and the rest of the super friends. And their monkey, super grippy. <laughs> oh, my gosh. With Zan and Jaina, the Wonder Twins, and Super Grippy. <sighs> anyway, anyway, we, we kid because we love. Um, this has nothing to do with Godfather Part Three, but nope. it you know it it was here. It was it was the low hanging fruit, so we went for it. All right, now I'm, I'm just hungry. We got to stop talking about food. Yeah. Now that we're done uh, laughing for the next hour. Now, that, now that, right now that we're done laughing, we can get down to the serious <laughs> business of killing everyone in sight. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, my wife, when we were watching this, she had not, or she may have seen the first Godfather. She did not see the second one. Um, 
and we didn't really have time. I kind of wish that I had started this a little bit earlier and we had gone through all three of them. Um, well, that's you know. nine hours of your life. You won't get back though. I know. Mm-hmm. I know. And I, you know what? I actually, I would love to, I feel like this used to be on Netflix, but it's not there anymore. And it was years ago. I would love to see it as the Godfather trilogy, that one that they've done where they've edited it together. Mm-hmm. Have you ever seen yeah, that one it, at all? It, yeah. That's, um, is it the Godfather saga? Is that where like everything is in chronological mm-hmm. order? Yeah. They yes, call it the, I, they, I think the official name of it is the Godfather trilogy, 1901 to 1980. Okay. Is what they call it. And it's supposed cool. to, yeah, so it's supposed to be, and I'm not even sure at one point in time, I feel like it was available on Netflix, but it was a really short time. It's not there anymore. And that was years ago. And I went to go try to look for it. I'm not even sure it's on DVD. I, I feel like if you want to buy it somewhere, it's on eBay on like five VHS tapes or, or something huh. like that. Something crazy. Um, I would be interested to see it that way. Like I, I, I saw it the traditional way. You, you see one, you see two, you see three. But I think it'd be kind of fun to see it in that chronological order. Totally. Yes. It would be worth it. Here's the news. Another action filled adventure. All right. Well, because this is the first week of our month, uh, we are in the month of July, and this is the first week of the month, so we're going to run down a quick little this month in 90, looking at July 1990. Uh, so we'll jump back in the DeLorean here, and we'll head back to July 1990. Some of the top news stories in July of 90. Um, July 7th, see, we were talking last episode about starting our own band and and uh, Second Breakfast and the Dulcet Tones, or whatever we're going to call ourselves now, um, mm-hmm. featuring Super Grippy as the backup singer. Um there you go. And uh, that's not the grippy I was thinking about, but okay. Um, hey, now. What, whatever works for you. So uh, July 7th of 1990, it was the first three tenors concert featuring Placido Domingo, Jose Carreras, oh. and Luciano Pavarotti. All right. It, uh, the recording of that became the world's best-selling classical record. Very nice. Uh, July 21st of 1990, Pink Floyd's The Wall is performed where the Berlin Wall once stood. Uh, and so, see, so far we've had some really, uh, really well-done musical acts, but then we get to July 25th. July 25th, 1990, not the musical act you're looking for. Roseanne Barr sings the national anthem at the Cincinnati Reds oh. San, Diego, San Diego Padres game. Oh, my gosh, I remember oh, that. Wow. Mm-hmm. Everybody remembers that. Even people that were not born yet remember that. Yeah, that's that's like one of those cultural touchstones mm-hmm. now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like coronavirus and Roseanne Barr singing the national anthem. Yeah. <laughs> those are like the two things I'm going to remember at the end of my life. Uh, and then July 26th, um, we'll, we'll get a little bit more uplifting here. Uh, July 26th, U.S. President George H.W. Bush signs the Americans with Disabilities Act, which... Kind of crazy that that didn't happen until 1990, but, you know, it, it is what it is. There are plenty of things that I've looked back at, like, some of the historical stuff, and I was like, wait a minute. Like, that didn't happen until the 90s? Like, that happened in my lifetime? That seems like, unless you're being, I don't know, dumb probably isn't the right word, but unless you're being dumb, that seems like that should have happened a whole lot sooner. We'd like to think that way. Right, right. Uh, births that took but place if in July. Things that happened when we think they should have, we wouldn't be in the situation we're in now. Well, that, that's also uh, <laughs> it's, it's, yeah. It's, um, yes. 
It's also true. As my grandfather used to say, if ifs and buts were candied nuts, what a Merry Christmas it would be. Uh, births for July of 1990 on July 2nd. I didn't realize this. Uh, same birthday as my son, um, but he wasn't born in 90. Margot Robbie. Oh, okay. There we the go. The Australian actress uh, that was in The Wolf of Wall Street um, and the Harley Quinn movie. Um, she was born in Dalby, Queensland on July 2nd, 1990. And then uh, right here in Chicago, July 28th, the uh, American rapper Soldier Boy was born July 28th, 1990 in Chicago. Okay. Um, I went through the list of deaths. I did not recognize any of them, so I did not write any of them down. That does not mean that these people were not important. That just means I didn't know who they were. Right. John has deemed you unimportant. That's that's not what I'm saying. That's not what I'm saying. I don't know. That's what Mm -hmm. it sounded like from here. Mm -hmm. John has deemed... Maybe that's my 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 autobiography. That's the title. John John has deemed deemed you unimportant. There you go. Yeah. All right. Uh, Top sports news. On July 10th, we had the 61st All-Star Baseball game. The American League wins 2-0 at Wrigley Field in Chicago. Um, And then July 10th, I do remember, I remember this because it was one of my favorite players growing up. On July 10th, the All-Star MVP was Julio Franco from the Texas Rangers. Top book was The Burden of Proof by Scott Turow. And top movies, uh, let's see, we had Days of Thunder, Die Hard 2, Ghost, and Presumed Innocent were the top movies in July of 1990. The top songs, we had two songs that took the top charts in July of 1990. Step by Step by the New Kids on the Block took the first two weeks of the month. And She Ain't Worth It by Glenn Medeiros featuring Bobby Brown took the last two weeks of the month. Hmm. Wow. Well, those are songs. That's all I can say about those. Yep, that is true. I, I was I was not a New Kids on the Block fan. My sister was a huge nuclear New Kids on the Block fan, but my wife still is. Yeah, aren't they back touring now? They they do make the rounds. Yes. Okay. Are they She's still calling themselves? Are they still calling themselves the New Kids on the Block? Well, no, no. Now it's just NKOTB. Oh, okay. Because you know the world we now live in. Okay. We don't we don't use full words anymore. Okay. Makes sense. Yep. Yeah. All right. Well, our movie this time around is Godfather Part Three. It came out on the twenty fifth of December, nineteen ninety. A, a nice, uplifting movie with a religious theme to it for Christmas Day, nineteen ninety. Yeah. Um, rated R with a runtime of two hours and forty two minutes. Um, although the shortest of the Godfather movies. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't realize that shortest of the Godfather movies. That to me is kind of crazy. Oh, <laughs> um, oh. director. <laughs> that's all Bo has to say is, Oh, um, director for this one is Francis Ford Coppola. Uh, producers on this movie. Oh, my thing just uh, skipped there for a second. Uh, Francis Ford Coppola was the producer on the movie as well, along with uh, several other people. Um, this also had writer was Mario Puzo and Francis Ford Coppola. Cinematography was done by Gordon Willis. Music was done by Carmine Coppola. Um, the budget on this one, actually, I took a whole bunch of notes here, and now my notes are all missing. So Uh-oh. I don't know where they went. Let's find them very quickly. Da, 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 da. 
Budget for this one was $54 million. Uh, box office was $136.8 million. Uh, Flick Metrics gives this one a 71%, and Cinema Score gives it a B+. Starring Al Pacino, who played Don Michael Corleone. He was in Serpico and Dog Day Afternoon and Scarface. Say hello to my little friend. Uh, Talia Shire, who played Connie, was in the Rocky movies and the Godfather movies. Diane Keaton, who played Kay, was in Annie Hall, Manhattan, and Something's Gotta Give. Andy Garcia played Vincent Mancini. He was in the Ocean's Eleven movies and The Untouchables. Eli Wallach, who died in 2014, played Don Altobello. He was in the Magnific- he was in Magnificent Seven and The Good, the Bad, and the Ugly. And Joe Montaigne played Joey Zaza. He was in Airheads, Baby's Day Out, and Criminal Minds. Baby's Day Out. I hadn't remembered that movie until I saw that when I was looking up the all the movies these people had been in. Uh, George Hamilton played B.J. Harrison. He was in Love at First Bite and Eight Heads in a Duffel Bag. Bridget Fonda played Grace Hamilton. She was in Single White Female and Lake Placid. And Sofia Coppola played Mary Corleone. She was in The Phantom Menace, and she was the director of the movie Lost in Translation. As Michael Corleone, played by Al Pacino, ages, he finds that being the head of the Corleone crime family isn't getting any easier. He wants his family out of the mafia, but the mob kingpin, Eli Wallach, isn't eager to let one of the most powerful and wealthy families go legit. Making matters even worse is Michael's nephew, Vincent Andy Garcia. Not only does Vincent want a piece of the Corleone family's criminal empire, but he also wants Michael's daughter, Mary, played by Sofia Coppola. Here is the trailer, and we will be back in just a moment. I betrayed my wife. I betrayed myself. I killed men. And I ordered men to be killed. I ordered the death of my brother. He injured me. I killed my mother's son. I killed my father's son. We've sold the casinos. All businesses having to do with gambling. We have no interests or investments in anything illegitimate. Don Corleone. The Corleone family. Partners with the Pope. They may cry blasphemy. This is business. I know you're into banks on Wall Street, but everyone knows you're the final word. You're like the Supreme Court. All I want to do is protect you from these guys, and your lawyers can't do that. I say we make them dead. You give me the order, I'll take care of it. I command this family, right or wrong. You know, Michael, now that you're so respectable, I think you're more dangerous than you ever were. has not yet shown his face. If every drug pusher in this room were to drop dead, I would be the only one alive. Well, you tell him for me he can live or he can die, you understand? Will you shut up? Will you shut up? Do you love me? 
You're the only one left in this family with my father's strength. I'm a Corleone. You can save the Corleone family. I'll help you. The ultimate story of family. Come at me as you will. And loyalty. Give up my daughter. Power. And violence. Just when I thought I was out, they pull me back in. The Godfather, Part 3. When they come, they'll come at what you love. Okay, so Godfather 3. Um, one word, short phrase. How does this movie make you feel? I'll start us off this time around. Um, I... Hmm. This movie makes me feel sad. Makes me feel sad. Good movie. I like the movie, but it makes me sad. As with all the Godfather movies, I think they all make me sad. And and that's a genuine sad. That's not a King Arthur. You make me sad. It's not that kind of sad. All right. One word, short phrase. How's this movie make you feel? Mm, same as John. Okay. I was gonna. I was gonna say sad too. So I'll get into the explanation later. But yeah, sad. Sure. If I need to pick a different word, tragic. Yeah. I was thinking. Contem- contemplative. It, it makes me contemplate and think about things, and and how you know, your decisions can. Even the decision you are forcing someone to make because you think it will be better for them could still put them in danger. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So now the interesting thing about this movie is that Francis Ford Coppola doesn't really like it. Like he's, he's not happy with how the movie came out. And hmm. it really makes it sound like he really did not want to make this movie. Um, it it kind of makes it sound like he was pressured into making this and that he was happy with things ending back in the 70s with Godfather Part II. Um, and so everything that I've read, everything that I've heard about this was it was really – and you really kind of get the feeling, and that that's that's a shame because – I still think it is a good movie. I know uh, some people kind of, you know, they they tear this one down a bit, and they're like, yeah, Godfather 3. Uh. Um, even there's a line in The Simpsons where, because Joe Montana also voices uh, Fat Tony in The Simpsons, okay. and I think he, he says a line in one of the episodes, and it's something like, I haven't cried this much since I paid money to see Godfather 3. And I'm like, okay, all right. So, I mean, this one does not get the same kind of love that the other ones get. Um, to me, still a good movie, you know, still. And, and as we were watching it the other night, we kind of, we had to break it up into two different nights just because by the time we were able to get to watch a movie, it was it was already pretty late. So we watched the first half of it one night and then we watched the second half of it last night. And um, I, think it, I think for my wife in particular, the first half of the movie was much more enjoyable than the second half of the movie. Because you got to see, you know, for her in particular, and I talked about how I think she would really enjoy seeing uh, part two because it's a very similar story to her relatives, you know, coming over to this country in the early 20th century, um, 
you know, trying to not trying to make it through the mafia, but, you know, trying to make your, trying to make your mark and start your family and, and, you know, work a business and those type of things here in the new world and, and, and all of that. Um, and so it's a very, you know, it's got a very similar story to it, to some of the stories, you know, that she has heard about her family uh, when they first came over from Italy. And so I, I think she'd really enjoy seeing part two. And I think that's what the first half of this one was too. It was the family and it was the struggles of the family. And, and even if you hadn't seen the first couple of movies, you get the idea. They do a, they do a pretty good job of kind of recapping it for you that he doesn't really want to be in this situation anymore. Like he's tried to get himself to the point where he's legit. And then he really does not have any connections at all to the illegitimate, the illegal side of the family as much as possible. Um, still has one of my favorite lines from any movie that I feel like I use all the time at work. And I know I've said this one before, just when I thought I was out, they pull me back in, you know, use that line so many times. Um, mm-hmm. and, uh, and, and that's kind of the, that's kind of where it is. I think for this movie is that the first half of the movie, you get to see the, it, it's kind of like the, it's, it's the fun. I don't want to even say fun. It's like the, the family story. It's the cultural side of it. It's the, all of those pieces are in the first half. And then in the second half, it just turns into a bloodbath. And, and, and really that's kind of like the last half hour. It, it's not even necessarily the, the first and second half of the movie. It's really like the last half hour when it all just comes completely crashing down. And I almost felt like, almost felt like some of that wasn't necessary. And maybe that's where this kind of falls apart for me is that they were already doing a decent job of showing how he was struggling with all of his attempts to try to keep this together and try to keep it under control and try to keep his family safe and everything else. They were already kind of showing that he's not being successful. Like this, this is a, this is, it's all starting to unravel. And then I think the bloodbath at the end and particularly, we've already said we're spoiling things, so I, particularly when, you know, Mary gets shot on the steps. And I told Sharon that. I said, I know you haven't seen a lot of the Godfather movies, but buildings with huge staircases and steps make me very, very nervous. Walking in and out of them, whether it's a courtroom or an Italian church, nope, I, whatever, or, or an opera house or whatever. I'm, I'm going out the back door. I, I'm going to go out the back door. Like, I'm never going. Throw in I, the untouchables and add mm, a train station. Right. And, uh-huh. Nope, I've learned to stay away. Joker, I, I'm staying away from staircases. The uh-huh. Exorcist, nope. It did. You know what? That's that's a whole podcast on its own, is staircases of cinema. Yeah. There we go. We'll do that sometime. Maybe that's episode 500. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, I, I feel like, I feel like it, this was a good movie until you get to the last half hour, and then it was just, it was almost too much. Like if you had spread some of that out, it was, it, but it was just like one, it was all just bashing you over the head with it. Um, and, and, you know, in a movie like this with the mafia, they're, they're gonna, in a mafia movie story, they're going to do that. You know, you expect to see people get gunned down. You expect to see, you know, some kind of a hit put out on somebody. Um, but I, I just wanted that maybe a little bit more spread out throughout the movie. It would have been fine if they wanted to do that but it just was all right at the very end. And then, and then it ends so quickly. It goes from, he is just completely lost it. Now that his Mm -hmm. daughter is dead on those steps to hope he's an old man and he slumped over and died. 
feel like we could have spaced this out a little bit more, even though it's a fairly long movie. I was saying, if you space it out anymore, we'd still be watching it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I want to say that, wasn't that what they ended The Godfather Part Two with? I think they ended The Godfather Part Two as him sitting by, you know, and, and maybe the maybe the costuming was a little bit differently. But I want to say that that's that I noticed that that they 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 seem to do a good job of fitting this into Godfather canon. Just the way they showed the flashbacks, I think it legitimized this in terms of it. It really connected the dots. I mean, it it fell into. I mean, I hate to say it as a trope, but isn't that one of the things that um, uh, um, when you do this kind of thing in modern times, where you revisit a franchise? You go back to their old sets. You go back to the old scenes, and and you know he goes back to where he met his first wife. Um, and I want to say that Godfather Part Two ends with that, you know, because that's where you know he's killed Fredo and his marriage has fallen apart, and it's just all a mess. And he's sitting there, and I think he collapses in his chair on that one too. And that was kind of how it was going to wrap the whole series up. So this just kind of fills in that story you know how you get to from the end of godfather part two proper to the the epilogue if you will where he's sitting in his chair years on and collapses yeah and and the ending of the first one when marlon brando's godfather you know collapses at the end of that one yeah so you get that kind of repeating imagery yeah so with this I guess here's a question too that we we tend to ask with each of these movies is when did you first see this movie? I'm assuming, you know, for each of us, this is not the first time we've seen this one. Um, It was not the first time viewing it for me. Was it the first time you saw it, Bo? Yeah, I had not seen this one. Or if I had, it wasn't the whole thing straight through. There were definitely parts of this movie, good long parts of this movie that I just had no recollection of. which surprised me. I kind of thought I knew what I was doing, but I guess not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like some of the longer, some of the longer opera scenes and the Latin church scenes, and I was like, "Oh my God, what is happening?" <laughs> right. <laughs> they not a, do not not a fan do. of the opera. Eh, I, no. eh, not that I can't understand. I just I guess is the way to say it. Mm-hmm. So no, not really. They, they really seem to stretch out <clears throat> a lot of the scenes to really show you. They want to show you the countryside. They want to show you those that the footage. They want to show you uh, the different scenes of life. They want to show you the opera. You know, I mean, it's really, it seems like they really do, uh, well, obviously because it's a three-hour movie, they really do stretch those scenes out. Well, and, and Bo people's reaction to opera the first time they see it is very dramatic. They either love it or they hate it. If they love it, they will always love it. If they don't, they may learn to appreciate it, but it will never become part of their soul. Sure. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. It worked when Richard Gere said it to Julia Roberts. Yeah, well, I ain't no pretty woman. Well... (laughs) And you ain't no Richard Gere, Alicia. <laughs> hey, go back to last week. I, maybe for a hundred minutes, I could disguise myself as Richard Gere, and we could pull it off. 
Now, see, there you go. See, yeah. you finally found a purpose. <clears throat> there you go. To walk, that maybe that's what we missed. Maybe that is the purpose. You dress up like somebody famous and you walk around Vernon Hills and see if anyone believes it's really. Anybody notices? Sure. Yeah. So I, I am kind of curious a little bit. So some of the, I mean, obviously some of the scenes kind of stretch out for a little while, but as somebody watching this for the first time, cause I know I went through and I, I was telling Sharon about this when I went through and watched these movies, I had seen the first one, but I had not ever seen the second and third one. And this is one of those times where when I was in college, we had a kind of local video rental store. And especially on, you know, certain days of the week, you could rent this genre for a dollar or, you know, Thursday was, you could get, you know, three foreign films for a dollar or, you know, whatever. So they had all kinds of like every day of the week was some kind of a different deal. And it was at a stretch of time where I was like, I just, I just want to consume as many different movies as I can. So I, I watched mm -hmm. a ton of foreign films, um, because foreign at that point, for 300, right. <laughs> Ursula <laughs> Andress and Charo twice, twice. That's uh no, Mr. Connery. Um, <laughs> Moo. Oh, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> nope. <laughs> I don't know what this has to do with the Godfather, but <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> we're, we're in an episode talking about Godfather three and I just mood. So there we go. <laughs> well, there was the guy in there. <laughs> well, that was true. They did have the, did have the donkey guy. Because that, that was necessary. Like there's a scene you probably could have cut. Oh yeah. God. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. But anyway, yeah. that that's how I ended up seeing two and three was I had seen the first one. Sure. And there was this video store, and that was before we had all the streaming stuff available to us, and it was still, you know, it was still VHS at that point. Um, and I had I had a weekend where I was not coming home for the weekend. I wasn't driving back up here for the weekend, and so I was like, you know what? I'm just going to rent a ton of movies. And I'm just my roommate is gone. I don't really have anything else planned. Nothing I want to do. Um, you know, my schoolwork is all done. Let's just rent some movies. And I remember renting a whole bunch of movies and renting two and three at the exact same time and just burning through both of them. Um, and that was, uh, it, and it was fine. Like at that point in time, I, you obviously didn't have the internet quite like you have it now. So you didn't have the, the people who would jump on and be like, oh, Godfather 3 is horrible. That's the worst movie ever. Um, what I do remember hearing is that they were, they kept trying to make a Godfather 4. And that it was going to be, and, and, you know, that having not had a long history with the Godfather movies, I was like, well, you just had, I just watched two and three and three kind of ended it. So I'm not sure why you need a four. Apparently four, their plan was to have, which makes four sound like even more of a cash grab than three might've been, um, was, uh, Leonardo DiCaprio was going to be the main character in four if they made a Godfather oh. four. And he was going to be... He was going to play... They were going to do a, a kind of a prequel again. They were going to jump back in time like they did with two, and he was going to be a young Sonny. Oh. So it, it could have been interesting, but, you know, it, it, I think if you have a group of people that think that three was not a necessary movie, that four would definitely not be a necessary movie. And, and right. apparently they're still trying to make it. Like there are still plans out there to try to make another Godfather movie. Yeah. Yeah, so. I, I don't think you need to expand the story or expand the world like you do with Star Wars. I think you just, you, it's the saga of Michael Corleone and that's that. I mean, yeah. it really, you know, 
Yeah. So what is it about this movie that, that does work? If, if there are things about this movie that works, what is it that works for you? And I think, I, I think I've already said it for me. It's the family piece of it. Uh, it's all those scenes. And, and, and I don't mind those scenes going on for a while. Um, when I sit down to watch a Godfather movie, I'm kind of expecting that it's going to take a while. Um, mm-hmm. So I at least get my mind in that headspace where I'm like, all right, just enjoy the scenery. You know, enjoy the ride because it. This is going to be. It's a slow mover. Right. So to me, that's fine, and and that's fine. And I, I think those scenes where, um, you know, in particular, pretty much any scene with Al Pacino in it, I I just think I think he does a great job in all of these movies, um, and just he's he's so he's still Al Pacino, but he's just so tired in yeah. this movie. <laughs> but watching him be tired doesn't make me tired like there's other mm-hmm. scenes like Bo you kind of mentioned you know there's the opera there's some of the church scenes stuff like that like there are those that I'm like oh okay we could pick up the pace a little bit but anytime it gets to you know Al Pacino is on screen and he's you know doing his whole thing and it just I I could watch that and be just fine yeah so I think for me it, it's him it's him that carries this movie and I think he has to carry this movie because so many of the other people either didn't want to come back or the studio didn't want to pay for other people to come back to be in this movie. Um, Mm -hmm. So I I think it kind of has to be him, but what works for you guys in terms of this movie? I, I agree. Michael Corleone works. Um, um, uh, What's his name? Al Pacino works. Mm -hmm. I, I think the idea of it being a tragic story I'll have to say whether it's like Shakespearean level tragedy or not. I will leave up to, you know, you, you, you find folks out, out there, but, uh, as, as people started dying, Sharon was like, is this going to be like Romeo and Juliet where everybody ended up dead in the end? <laughs> pretty much. Yeah, probably pretty much. But, uh, I think that works. I mean, that, that whole just tragic, sad tale works and, you know, well, my thoughts on that get into, get into the next question but yeah i would say that the the idea of it being just a a tragic story you know mm-hmm. very sad tragic story i think that really works i think the cast is very good i think the you know the examination of life's choices um the, the universal theme of an old man looking back on his decisions and wanting better for his family. Um, I think the themes are very approachable and and all of that. I mean, there's a lot of good here. It's just long and, and uh, drags on in places it didn't need to, probably. <clears throat> the one thing that I think detracted a little bit for me from it was finding out as I went to kind of go read more a little bit about it. Um, because for me as a movie, I, like I said, I'm, I'm fine with it. Like I don't hate it. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously I, I do feel like it is the weakest of the three movies, but, um, and it was not a nominated for any awards. So obviously other people felt like it was the weakest of the three movies too. Um, but the thing that I think kind of detracted from this movie a little bit for me was finding out that, Francis Ford Coppola was kind of taking the hesitancy was kind of taking the, like the Bo, like you were saying, you know, looking back on 
the decisions that you've made and now it's an, it's an older man and his choices have caught up with him and the struggles and everything else. Finding out that Francis Ford Coppola kind of took that and was like, well, I'm, I'm writing Michael this way because those are my struggles working within the studio system. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, hey, not quite the same. Like you, you get them. I mean, granted, I, I'm not saying that stuff, may not have happened that was not good for him or, or, you know, whatever, but like you get to make movies, dude. Like your job is to make movies and, and you get to, you get to do your art and you know, you're, you're a but very, they won't let me have full control. Don't they know who I am? Uh huh. Yeah. So that kind of took it away from it a little bit for me was when I read something in, in Francis Ford Coppola, it, and it wasn't a direct quote that's like, and Francis Ford Coppola kind of saw the character as, you know, just as Michael says, just when I thought I was out, they pulled me back in as like him being forced to go back to a movie he didn't want to do. And the studios were forcing him to do this. And he didn't have that complete control. Like you said, Bo. Um, and so he really identified with the struggles of Michael Corleone. I'm like, mm, no, no, this <laughs> is really not the same at all. This Sounds guy, like re- a- this guy regrets having killed his own brother and, um, you know, all the other th- horrible things that he's done throughout his life in the name of protecting his family and uh, all this stuff. Like, no, this really has nothing to do with you being a director who feels like maybe you didn't get to have complete control over your movie. Yeah, he sounds a little bit like a uh, little drama there. Mm-hmm. And he is a great director. I mean that that doesn't that doesn't you know take away from him being a great director. But when I read that, I was like, huh. <laughs> well, now that kind of takes away from this movie for me. Yeah, yeah, hard to not let that bleed in. Mm-hmm. But there was some yeah. other kind of. Oh yeah, go ahead. I was just gonna say, you know, the whole is it good movie? Is it not? I think it was a good movie. I mean, it was compelling. I don't want to, I'm not going to watch it every weekend. It's, it's sad. I'd seen it a couple times before. I knew what was coming in the big climax and I was dreading it. And I didn't watch this. I didn't sit down and watch this movie. Like I had, I was doing other stuff. I was kind of checking in, checking out because I've seen it before. I knew what was coming. I just couldn't take it. Like I just couldn't take it. Like I'm just like, I can't. And then I got to that end piece and it was just like, yeah, I'm just going to, Okay, I'm I'm putting on the the Greatest Generation podcast, and I'm going to go watch season three of uh, Legends of uh, Tomorrow just to kind of cleanse my palate after because I knew it was just so sad and dramatic. So, uh, yeah, I yeah, I don't know. I just had thoughts on a whole bunch of what was just being talked, and they just went blah. I just threw them all out there. But uh, yeah, I I don't know. I don't know if if the director's struggles equate to what the characters were struggling with. And while I, I don't know if it had the punch of the original Godfather movies, um, I think it's a worthy successor. I think it's a worthy entry into it. You know, I get what you're saying about the bloodbath. I mean, it was almost gratuitous at the end, but I mean, it was just kind of, you almost had the effect of, okay, he's, he's holding, you know, like the, like the kid with the dam where you're holding your, your, your fingers and all the leaks and then all of a sudden it just all kind of caves in and suddenly everybody's getting everybody's getting whacked you know yeah so 
Well, that one of the things too that I thought was kind of interesting about this one was um, you had Al Pacino. I, I saw this on IMDb that Al Pacino stated that he did not agree with the portrayal of Michael in the film. That he said um, he didn't think that Michael would ever feel regret or remorse for any of his actions. So I thought that was kind of interesting too. Like that was the take on um, that he was like, no, like this whole thing of him going to the church and asking for forgiveness and, you know, confessing his sins and all that. He's like, no, I don't think Michael would do that. I'm like, well, you know, given his, given his character in Godfather and God, Godfather part one and part two. I can make a case for it. Yeah, you can make a case for that. Now I think, what you're looking at is you're looking at a story jumping from the, what's it supposed to be like 1960, no, 1960, whatever in, mm-hmm. uh, you know, in the, in the more present scenes in Godfather two and you're jumping ahead and it's supposed to be 1979, I think. Yeah. In Godfather three. Um, so, I mean, you're, you're jumping ahead 15 years. A lot of stuff can happen in 15 years and mm-hmm. you know, I, I'm I'm not as old yet as Michael Corleone is in the in Godfather Three, but I kind of feel like even if I was you know kind of stuck in my ways or if I had made some decisions now in my life you know in my 30s, I kind of feel like as an older person I I might reevaluate certain things when I reach a particular age and and you know things might change, but. Mm-hmm. I, According to him, totally. you know, he, he just said, you know, he just said, no, I don't think he'd feel any remorse at all for that. Huh. I think it's a common, um, and maybe the Godfather was the first one to show it, but since this movie, it's been shown a lot in, in mob scenarios. I mean, wasn't that the whole premise of the Sopranos? Mm-hmm. But the fact that he's going to therapy in the first place. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I, you know, I think and, the, the theme of as you get older, you reevaluate your decisions and and the things that you've done in life. I think that's pretty universal these days. And what are they? I mean, you know, it's different takes on the character and all that. What what is that? If you, you you're not able to feel guilt, is that sociopathic? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, and maybe that's what they're trying to do is just make him out to be the cold basically cold and calculating and yeah i don't feel any regret because all i was trying to do was protect my family well then what is it are you really just this cold calculating figure or did all you care about was killing or um protecting your family because if all you cared about was protecting your family you had your brother killed i mean mm-hmm. that that I, I i don't know that it gets much worse than that and you know, Fredo was, if I remember right, Fredo was guilty of kind of being duped. I mean, it wasn't like he was out there pulling the trigger and everything like that. Like he, mm-hmm. you know, I, I don't know. So, I, I mean, that, that seemed to be a kind of a believable thing to me. Yeah. I, I mean, you know, I, I, no, I don't think he'd have any guilt. I, boy, I don't know. And then what kind of a movie would you make? Mm-hmm. You know, it, 
what kind of a like it, it, i don't know it, would he be trying to take the uh the 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 family business more legit would he be trying to do that um i i don't know would he really I, boy i I don't know that that's that seems to be a pretty central part of this movie so to just change that i think would change the movie i mean i don't think you'd just be changing uh like a character insulated from everything else going on i think you would be changing a pretty big core of the movie if you were to change that yeah yeah i'm, I'm trying to remember from part two what exactly had happened because it's been a long time it's it's probably been 20 years since i've seen godfather 2 mm-hmm. um i'm trying to remember exactly what happened with his brother and i think that it was his his brother his did his brother resent because his brother was older fredo was older than michael and he kind of resented not being the one put in charge of the family um, yeah you know even though michael was obviously the much more cunning and crafty you know he he had a he had a bit of a stronger mind than fredo um fredo resented that you know being being passed over and wasn't fredo kind of i'm I'm, I'm not going to get this right but wasn't fredo kind of in league with one of the competing families or something like that he he did something i feel like to to kind of take take sides with another family and something happened with that. Yeah, I'm, I'm. I'm not. I'm probably not getting that right. But well, I they, like, well, I feel like isn't there? And I can't remember if he's if Michael says that to Fredo or if he says that to his wife. I forget who it is in the trailer. It makes it look like he says it to his wife, um, but I can't remember who it is he's saying it to. But he he says it, and he's real angry when he says it. He's, he's trying to keep the anger under control, but he says something to the effect that don't you ever. Don't you ever take sides against the family ever again? And it's kind of like, you know, I feel like he could have said that to several different people throughout the movie, and that kind of seems to be like the theme of Godfather Two. Is yeah, it's the family, well, and you don't ever take sides against the family. Well, when he, I don't remember if he yells that at his wife, but he does say it to Fredo, and I think he says it in the. One of the, and I can't remember, to be honest, whether it's Mm -hmm. the first one or the second one, but he sends, I think it's the first one. He sends Fredo out to Las Vegas where they kind of like took him in and helped him out and all that kind of stuff. And then that's kind of where Michael is taking over from, you know, Don Corl. Yeah. He's taking over from uh, Vito. And so Michael goes out um, and it might've been after Vito passed on. Um, but Michael goes out to Las Vegas and he's reestablishing the Corleone family. And that's where Mo, what's his name? Not, I almost said Mo Willems, but he's the child's actor, uh, uh or child actor. He's the child writer, uh, ch- children's book writer. Wh- who's the guy? Um, Mo, I don't know. There's a guy, whatever, Mo Green. Mo Green, I think, was that the guy's name? He ran Las Vegas. And that's when he, um, he I'm, don't, I'm totally rambling on this. I apologize. He shows up in Las Vegas with his posse. And Fredo's got the band playing and Mo Green comes in. And but he said, how's a good child? Over. And, and uh, hey, let's get some girls and everything. And, and he's just like, Fredo, like, no, that's not, 
we're here to do business. And uh, Mo Green comes in and, and uh, or, you know, and, and uh, Michael says, you slapped around my brother. We sent him out here and you beat well. And it's, and, you know, and Fredo was kind of, he goes through some pretty lurid things that Fredo's been up to and all that. And, and Fredo goes, oh, uh, no. And he says, so you slapped around my brother? That gives you the right? And Fredo's like, no, Michael, that, that's fine. That's really, you know, no. And then uh, Michael kind of says, well, we'll, we'll kind of let that, don't ever do that again to Mo Green. And then he says, by the way, we're buying you out. We're doing this, we're doing that. And he's basically taking over the business. And Mo Green gets mad and starts yelling at him. And, oh, you, you, you don't buy me out. I buy you out. And he stomps off. And Fredo starts to yell at Michael and says, Mike, you, you don't do that. You don't do this. What are you thinking? And that's when he looks and he says, Fredo, you're my brother and I love you. But don't ever take sides against the family mm -hmm. again. Yeah. And he's just sitting there and it's just like, oh, wow. Mm -hmm. And uh, Fredo somehow in the second one, that's when they put the hit on Michael. Um, they have the, that's when they're out in, they're out in Nevada and they've got the house out there, and that's when I'm doing totally spoilers. I apologize, guys. You know, but that's but that's when. <laughs> but he's sitting there, and it's it's a really scary scene, and he's put the kids to bed, and okay, he's kind of you know, you know, he's got the senators sitting out there, and he's got the big party, and all of a sudden his eyes get big, and he jumps down, and they shoot up the side of his house with machine gun fire, and uh, somehow Fredo helped out with that. And I can't remember exactly what he did. He wasn't pulling the trigger, but he kind of let the guys or allowed the hitmen to get on the premises or somehow he kind of helped out with that. And Michael didn't figure it out till towards the end of the movie when they were down in Cuba. And that's when, you know, he's like, I know it was you, Fredo. I, you know, you, I loved you. You're my brother. I loved you. And I know it was you that betrayed me. And then, you know, he has him killed. Yeah. And I mean, again, it, it, it wasn't like Fredo was trying to kill Michael. I think he was just helping out. You know, he just wanted to have his little slice of the pie. I don't know, man. You kill, you kill your brother. I, you don't really, you can't come back from that. You know what I'm saying? Like, I just. And it was lies upon lies because his sister didn't know. You know? as twisted as she became holy cow she was just like kill everybody you know i mean yeah and and he had the line in there and that's the line that snuck stuck with me was that she's like michael now they'll fear you and she was quoting uh you know her father their father and he's like and it was just a perfect delivery he's like maybe they should fear you yeah and walks out i mean it's yeah yeah, well, and, was... and throughout those movies, I mean, she plays that, Talia Shire plays that just great, that character. Mm -hmm. And oh, yeah. you never quite get the sense as to how much she really knows. Because, mm -hmm. it set, I mean, throughout the entire set of movies, you're like, come on. She's got to know more than she's letting on. But if she does know more than she's letting on, she's really good at hiding it. Like, right. she's probably the best of the entire family. She's not even part of the, when you think of like the illegal activities that, and it, it's kind of like in the Sopranos as well. Like you have the other members of the family who, okay. So they'll claim, Oh no, there, there's nothing illegal going on here. There's a, but somehow you're magically benefiting from 
all these amazing things and you have all this, you know, ridiculous amounts of money and, but you don't know anything. Okay. All right. Mm -hmm. But she is, you know, her character in, in all of these movies, she, that, that is as, as, as Jeff and Dennis like to say, they put on a masterclass, you know, Mm -hmm. she puts on a masterclass of how to not let people know that you know something. Right. If it's the case. I mean, just the way she plays it off, I'm just like, I don't know if you know. And that's amazing. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I can't tell. It's it's that good. Yeah. Yeah. But. Well, one of the interesting kind of behind the scenes things I had heard about this movie when I I found it on IMDb and a couple of other places was um, the part of Mary Corleone, who was played by Sofia Coppola, um, was not intended to be Sofia Coppola. It was actually supposed to be Winona Ryder. Oh, that's fine. So she was going to play that part. And apparently she flew to, I think it was she flew to Italy two days after finishing uh, Mermaids. And she okay. flew to Italy. And depending on, depending on who you read, uh, she either, once she got to Italy, she kind of like collapsed from exhaustion because she had just finished up one movie, flew out, and then she just kind of like collapsed and then was either kind of put on bed rest or just, you know, she was out of it for a little while and, or some of the other rumors flying around were that she had been partying too hard with Johnny Depp at the time and, um, you know, all kinds of other stuff. But apparently what ended up happening was she ultimately ended up leaving the movie and then, uh, going on to make Edward Scissorhands. And so when they were kind of left in a little bit of a pinch, they're like, okay, well, we've got a couple of other actresses that we could try to get in here. Um, you know, we have some options. And then Francis Ford Coppola is like, uh, you know what? We'll just, my daughter, my daughter's 19. Yeah. We'll rewrite a couple of scenes. Cause you know, the character is meant to be in like her mid to late twenties. Um, we'll just rewrite it a little bit so that it's, it's uh, she's a college age, uh, daughter and, um, yeah, we'll have my daughter do it. And his daughter had not really been acting. I mean, she was in college. She hadn't been acting at all. She had been in the other movies, but as, you know, kind of a character off to the side with not really Mm -hmm. any speaking parts. And, um, I guess she ended up getting nominated for two Razzies that year for her performance. And and people just absolutely did not like her in the role at all. Um, Apparently she had to go back and redub her lines because she had a very strong Valley girl accent. Mm -hmm. So like totally. Yeah. She explained a few things. Yeah. There were some moments where I was like, something is weird here and I couldn't figure out what it was. And that, that was it. Yeah. You pick up on the volumes when the voice comes in. It just doesn't. Yeah. 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 But that last, I mean, that last scene, even, even though, I mean, everything falls into place the way you would expect it would for a Godfather movie, that whole last section, even though I I thought that having it all happen at once was maybe, you know, you have a, a slow movie. It's running at a slow pace and then bam, 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 bam at the end, just like all of a sudden everybody's dead. Everybody's dying everywhere. You know, we're in multiple locations. Some of it's happening in Rome. Some of it's happening in Sicily. Some of it's happening, I don't even know where. But you have just like, it's it's like this crazy coordinated, basically whoever helped coordinate the attack for Independence Day got together and said, we're going to coordinate attack on the Pope and this mob boss over here and this guy over here. And somehow they were able to do it in in amazing coordinated fashion. 
mm-hmm. and, and all the people died kind of all at once. Now, given that, it's still like that final scene of the movie, and I wish they would have kind of just stopped it there. Like, I, I don't know that I needed them to go to the scene where he's older and sitting in the chair and slumps over, you know, kind of like the way his father had in the first movie. I think I would have actually been fine if they had ended it with him on the steps, you know, holding his daughter and screaming. Mm-hmm. That was yeah. a that was an intense scene, man. Yeah. That I mean, and yeah. apparently, apparently, they had to cut out because as Al Pacino was doing that scene, the the um, the directors and the test audiences that they had, they said that his scream was just so agonizing that they're like, oh, we um, like audiences are. This is rough. Like, this is gonna like break people's hearts. We, we can't go that far with this. So mm-hmm. that's that's why some of that scene you hear the music, but you hear no audio. Um, was there like we need to pull this back a little bit because it's just like he did an amazing job with it, but it's maybe too much for this moment. Mm-hmm. I wondered about that. Yeah, but it is. I mean that that whole thing is just is heartbreaking. That yeah. whole scene. Yeah. Yeah, it's like I said, I knew it was coming. I'm like, okay, I'm just going to watch it like done, you know, I, I, and it's just like, yeah. Well, like you said, it's like, oh, yeah, we got some of these uplifting movies this time. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I mean, there's no, there's no two ways about it. Like everything yeah. you tried to do backfired on you, like your whole mm-hmm. plan at, it backfired, you know? And yeah. I mean, for what, like, what did, what did we gain? Like, honestly, I think back, like I'd be in the movie, like, yeah, you know what? Honestly, guys, I'm, I'm like, I'm out. What What do you want? Like, what do you want from me? Like, I want nothing else. You want the international mobility deal? Go for it. Like more power to you. I don't need more money. I got enough, like whatever, you know? And it took him half the movie to sign the Belisarius memorandum anyway. <laughs> And get this immobiliary, I can't even say yeah. it right, but whatever deal done with the Vatican. and Yeah. Yeah. But every time there was stuff that seemed to wander off the rails, I think it just kept coming back to the nothing changes tragic plot. Mm-hmm. No you matter know? what you do. <laughs> yeah, it all comes to naught. And, and to be honest, I, I don't know that you got that tragic thing at the end of Godfather. I don't think you got it at the end of Godfather 2. I mean, it was sad. It was like, oh, this isn't the life I want to live. But I don't think you had that tragic aspect. You know, it was, it was again, you know, you have your brother killed. And it's like, ooh, okay, I guess we're going there. And then I was wrong. I thought they showed, I, I was getting it confused. I thought they showed him collapsing out of his chair in the second one. But I think the second one just ends with him sitting in his chair, kind of staring off into space. Uh, And and you're right. The old Don dies falling out of his chair in in the, in the first one. I looked it up. I looked it up real quick. It says um, at the end of Godfather two, because I couldn't remember this. uh, There's a flashback scene to 1941 where the Corleone children um, are waiting for Don Vito, Marlon Mm -hmm. Brando's character to return for his birthday party. Um, and then it says, and then there is a slow dissolve to a scene in which Michael, as a small boy, waves goodbye from the train, leaving Corleone after a happy family reunion. Okay. So that's the end of Godfather 2. Okay. It's the flashback thing. Yeah. And, yeah, which, you know what? Which, actually, at least, which at least that ending is, you know, it's, it's, 
bittersweet because you know his father is dead and you know that their life is not going to be easy. But at least in a way, that's a little more uplifting. Yeah, and they 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 leave it kind of like a, you know, well, this is just the the life that we live, you know. Yeah. And there's we can't go to the police. You can't, you know. When Kay says, "Michael, you're saying governments have people killed," and he's like, "Well, who's being naive now?" And that was the argument he had against, you know, in the first one. And it's like, okay, well, when you look at what the guy had, I mean, his this wife was killed. This, they put a hit out on this family. They tried to take this person out. They shot his dad. They did this. They did that. Okay, well, you you can't fault the guy for wanting to, you know, punch back. This movie, I think, this movie is what makes the this the the Godfather trilogy story saga, whatever you want to call it, uh, the the tragic story, because it shows just like, yeah, you you tried everything. You had the, you know, you tried to hand over the business to your hot-headed nephew, and it it, it didn't go so well, you know. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, should we uplift things by jumping into our three questions? I believe so. Let's do it. Yeah. It's a beautifully right. set movie. I mean, the, the it is. And the visuals of this. Yeah. I mean, you, yeah. you watch this movie and it's just, and, and, and that's one of those parts where I don't mind lingering a little bit when you show some of the scenery of them driving up to the villa or, or wherever mm-hmm. the countryside. And I'm like, okay, let's, that's fine. Slow pace. Let's, let's linger on this a little bit because that's beautiful. Like this, this scenery yeah. is beautiful. And, and, um, and I think that's what, when I think of the Godfather movies, I, I think of that. I think, you know, and, and Francis Ford Coppola, I think in particular, you're going to sit with the scenery for a little bit. Yeah. You know, you're, you're going to sit with it and just kind of, and, and chew on it a little bit. Um, and Diane yeah, Lane is beautifully shot movie. Yeah. And Diane Lane is really the, the voice of that. I mean, the sole voice throughout the movie, just saying, how can a country so beautiful have such mm-hmm. a violent. Diane Keaton. Yeah. What did I say? Yep. Diane Lane. I was thinking yeah. Superman's mom. Yeah. Um, right. uh, she could have been yeah. there too. Yeah, that's right. That's right. What was it? Diane Morgan. What was the name we got messed up? Fairchild. Uh, Marshall. Penny Marshall. Marshall. Penny Marshall. Yeah, Peggy Marshall. Who's Penny Marshall? Penny, no, Penny Marshall was the actual name. <laughs> I am, and who's the yeah. other one? But that was that, but right. But but Diane Thurgood Keaton. Marshall. Yes. And that was one thing that I liked seeing. Michael Keaton. Her, Michael Keaton. Michael Keaton. I liked seeing Batman in this Keaton. movie. Alex P. Keaton was. It yes. Made this movie. He was made helping. He was helping broker the deal. Yes. Yeah. But I mean, she got a she got a really nice character arc in it because she just wasn't buying any of what he was selling. Mm-hmm. Like in the first two, you know, she was kind of like, well, she was because she he 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 hit her. He he slapped mm-hmm. her around, um, and uh, and she left and she was scared of him. And in this one, it was like, yeah, she was not even the way they shot it. He was all hunched over and she was towering over him, and she was not taking one line of his. Mm-hmm. garbage not like at any point she shows up on the train connie uh uh my daughter what's your name valley girl michelle michelle marie, marie whatever mary oh <laughs> mary whatever and then it was hello michael i mean it was just like bam you know and i i yeah i could i could see that like okay now i'm, I'm out of this now i'm out of this life i don't need to kiss the ring and you know 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So. All right. Three questions. He asks each traveler five questions. Three questions. Three questions. It's impossible to answer. Impossible because you don't know the answer. Nobody could answer that question. I want to ask you a bunch of questions. I want to have them answered immediately. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. At no point in your rambling, incoherent response were you even close to anything that could be considered a rational thought. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. All right, and may God have mercy on our souls. Um, question number one, what is your favorite mafia slash gangster movie? Easy one oh. for me, The Untouchables. I mean, there's a lot of good ones, but I, for me, that's my favorite. Yeah, that was definitely on the list for sure. It's got to be. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, my my runner-up that maybe is not a, because it's not Italian mafia, my runner-up would be the movie Snatch. I always sure. really liked that one. The the one with Brad Pitt and yep. the Irish Mafia. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. LA Confidential. Mm-hmm. Oh, good one. Good one. Gotta give a shout out to the Sopranos. Mm-hmm. Not a movie, but still. We have uh we have a well, we had a free trial of uh HBO and I accidentally didn't cancel it before it uh paid for the next month. So we've got an extra month of HBO. So a part of me go. was Part of me was like, hmm, is it time to go back and rewatch it? Might be. We're working through Westworld right now, but. So many good movies, but hard because I don't take enjoyment from watching these movies. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I could sit there and, well, name off this one or that one, the other. You know, obviously, um, Goodfellas is fantastic. I like The Irishman. I thought that one was really good. Um, you know, these, the Godfather movies, I, I really, I, I really, I really struggle um, with like the enjoyment factor. The Untouchables is fantastic. Um, you know, that's a little bit more of a, a kind of like an adventure thing. And, and, you know, you're focusing on the good guys, quote unquote. Um, but I'll tell you, um, I suppose favorite, like, mafia movie i like bronx tale with uh uh um robert de niro and mm-hmm. uh who's the guy that plays the big it's not joe pantoliano i don't know guy, uh not guy pierce what am i trying to say guy fieri no anyways bronx tale I, what was that i was kidding i, was I just, didn't hear I, what you said guy Ritchie. Guy Ritchie. It was Lionel Ritchie. It was Lionel Ritchie um, that played it. No, but I'm, yeah. Bottom line, Bronx Tale. I, I like the story. I like that it's a dad just trying to keep his kid, you know, and it it gets a little bit into. Chaz Pomentary? Yes. That's what I'm thinking ah, of. Ah, well played. I, um, yeah. So I like that one. That one's good. Um, for, for, um, you know, the historical component. I like, uh, um, Joey, uh, what's his name? I am forgetting everything 
uh, where the guy goes undercover. I'm for, I, like, my brain is going out. Donnie Brasco. Donnie Brasco. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Donnie Brasco yeah. is a real interesting kind of jumping off point uh, for like what really happened with that. And then I'd say finally, just for all out fun, payback. Mm. Mm-hmm. With Mel Gibson. Yeah. Because you said you said the organized didn't have to be the attack. You guys seen payback, yeah, right? Yeah. 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 That's that's funny when he's just like that's an that's like old school like martial arts movie. No, it's not a martial arts movie, but like an old school martial arts movie mm-hmm. where like he fights through a level, then fights the boss, then goes to the next level and fights the boss. It's just like just that one's just fun. That's just a fun movie. So isn't that the one that where uh, he's they've got him tied to the chair? They're about to cut his like they're either going to cut or this smash little his piggy toes. went to market. And he's like this yeah. little piggy went to market. And the, is the, are they smashing him with a hammer? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Hubba hubba hubba. <laughs> <laughs> ring 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 ring. Hello, you were right not to trust me. <laughs> that's I mean that for that's just escapist. So that's just kind yeah. of that's just kind of fun. But I don't know. I, I I'm rambling too much. But yeah, these watching these kinds of movies. I mean, it's it's a it's a hard watch. Like I, unless like I said, Untouchables has a little bit more of the action component. The um, I keep wanting to say uh, Joey Pistone because that was the guy's real name. What was the the one under Donnie Brasco? Donnie Brasco. Mm-hmm. Um, that one's. But even that that's a that's a that's a hard watch. You guys mm-hmm. seen Donnie Brasco? Oh yeah. 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 And those movies see like, that's almost like they fit together. Cause the Godfather shows you what like the upper echelon. And then, you know, those other movies show you the guys that are like, you know, actually mm-hmm. on the streets, on the streets and mm-hmm. doing all this stuff. And yeah. 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 I don't know. All right. Question number two might be a little bit of a quicker one. Cause I kind of feel like we've, we've talked through this a little bit in the episode itself. Was Godfather part three necessary? Hmm. <laughs> Necessary? Is it necessary to drink my own urine? No, but it's sanitary and I like the taste. I think I would say, given what we've read, no. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Like, In terms of like the making the, of the movie and the... Yeah. yeah. But not knowing that, I think it... There's no reason to say it shouldn't have been made. Mm-hmm. It's too long and it delves into things that some people obviously don't like, but I don't think it's bad. Yeah. Yeah. I, is it necessary? No, I don't think you needed it. I mean, I think the ending of Godfather two, I think one and two that tells your story. And I think knowing that, knowing that Francis Ford Coppola himself he's and he's even said, he's like, "I, I don't like the fact that this is called Godfather part three. I'd rather think of this as an epilogue. Like to me, it's not, it, it's not a third part of a story. It's kind of the, the you know, just the, the final, you know, afterward of the story I've already told. And the fact, knowing that he didn't want to come back to it, like he didn't want to do another Godfather movie. Then I look at that and I go, yeah, okay, do I think it's a bad movie? No. Is it necessary? No. Like I, I, I could have been totally happy um, totally happy just ending it the way it ended. And maybe that gets to the the thought that at least, you know, we said this one's not very uplifting. It's kind of a tough one to just, you know, be excited to talk about. But at least the way it ends at Godfather 2, I do feel like you get some of the same things that you got 
in one and two, I feel like you get some of the same things that are brought up in three. So I'm not sure that anything new is being brought up in three. And at least at the end of two, there's a little bit of a hint of hopefulness. Right. Um, that, that the future could be okay. Or at least we have the happy memories to, you know, keep us going. Whereas in this one, it's, well, your daughter just got killed on the steps when they meant to kill you. And now you're going to live out the rest of your life and collapse alone in a chair. Um, mm. You're, you're going to die alone, basically. I'm like, oh, well, okay. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'd much rather ended it too and be like, hey, you know, you've made some horrible decisions. You're going to have to live with that. But there's at least maybe a hope that you're still human in there somewhere. So, yeah. so that's my answer. My answer is not necessary, but that doesn't mean I have a problem with the movie itself. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I go back and forth. I mean, necessary. No. Did it add something for me? Yeah. I, I for me, it did. I mean, it, it really, it establishes, it establishes him as a tragic figure and I'm repeating myself and maybe that's where, you know, like uh, if they all, if no one wanted to make this movie and maybe that's where Al Pacino's comments come in that like, I don't think he would have done this. We shouldn't have made this movie. He should have just ended like it did in two. Now, John, you said that, you know, you know, it ends on a hopeful note. Maybe he's still a human that, or maybe he's just become the cold, you know, it's, it's kind of fade to black. It's he's, did not this this did not go well michael is you know anything left resembling a heart is completely gone because like i said at the end of the day i mean you know he he lied to his wife he slapped her around drove her off killed his brother i I mean that's hard to walk that stuff back and even if even if the movie ends okay well maybe you know what yeah I, i i don't know I don't know. And like I said, you know, if you've become a danger to your family because you're the one that could be shot at any moment, at any point, then that's where, you know, that's when you just like, Hey, if if the family really, if the family really comes first, he should have just, you know, check your ego and say, what, like, what am I business? Do you want? Like I'm, I'm running a legitimate business. Like what, what do you need in on? Cause I, you know, like we're done. And if it's still, if it looks like, you know, your family's at risk because you're going to get shot, then time to go into witness protection or time to go away or try time to, you know, go stand out on the steps by yourself and sacrifice yourself for your family. I mean, I, you know, it's, I'm not standing on any steps anywhere. Yeah. You're not, you're not doing any steps. Nope. So, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, it's, it's, I just look at that and just think what a waste. And like I said, that family component like that, that just absolutely, like I said, an entire season's worth of greatest generation podcasts and like 18 episodes of legends of tomorrow to like cleanse my palate after watching the end of this movie, because that's, that's just nice that you had those things to help with that. I mean, that's beyond thankful. I'm beyond thankful. I'm thankful to all of you. John recommended, Legends of Tomorrow to me. Bo recommended Greatest Generation to me, you know, because this, yeah, it's just a, uh, you know, but, but I, 
to me, is it necessary? No, but I, I like it. It's, it's key just because of that tragic piece that, 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 you know, introduce, introduces into the, into the story. All right. And finally, question number three, what Al Pacino character would you most want to have lunch with? This was maybe a bit of a challenge for me because as I was looking back on his different characters that he's played, I'm like, I don't know. I feel like if I have lunch with half these guys, they're either going to try to kill me or just scream at me. Lieutenant Colonel Frank Slade, U.S. Army retired. Well, That's see that, where I go. That, yeah, that was one of my options too. That's one of my options too. He can dance we, the tango and drive a Ferrari better than anyone I know. Well, we, we could sit down and have a John Daniels. When you've known him as long as I have. <laughs> he may be Jack to you, son. But when you've known him as long as I have. <laughs> um, I actually went with the, the most likable, um, probably the most likable Al Pacino character that I could think of. Well, <laughs> actually, the most likable one I could think of was uh, the devil's advocate. I'm like, I'm not sitting down having lunch with Satan. So <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, happening. you don't want to do that. Oh, see, that's who I picked. I think that'd oh, be that fun. He- Okay. All right. Um, that well, see, I was worried about for having John Daniels. Well, I was worried about what he would feed me. Hmm. You know, if, if well, if I, isn't that special? Right. Could it be Satan? Satan? Yeah. I wish I had a button right here to just like do the do the echo effect. Could it be <laughs> Satan? Satan. Um. So I ended up picking probably what I what I thought of as being his probably most likable character was. Um, the character of Johnny from Frankie and Johnny. Mm. I don't know if you guys have seen that one or not. Have you seen that one? It's um, him and Michelle Pfeiffer. I don't know. He plays Maybe. an ex. He plays an ex-con who just got out of jail. Um, and while he was in jail, he kind of learned to cook. And so the job that he gets is like at a diner somewhere, and he starts working as a cook. And Michelle Pfeiffer plays uh, Frankie, and she's kind of. I think she like just got out of a bad relationship or something. And he kind of starts to fall for her. It, it's like a, I don't remember the, if it's a romantic comedy, but it's at least kind of like a love story. Um, might be considered a romantic comedy. And it's, uh, you know, he kind of starts to fall for her, but obviously she's been in some bad relationships, so she doesn't want to have much to do with him. And most of the movie is him trying to convince her that she should come out of her shell and give him a chance and, so it's kind of like one of those kind of a romantic comedy relationship type movie oh, directed by um, um, Gary Marshall or Thurgood Marshall or uh, Marshall Dillon. Huh. Or U.S. Marshals. I don't know. Yeah, that was a pretty good. That was a pretty good. One. I like that one. It's been a long yeah. time since I've seen that one, but. Um, got a lot of big name people in it too. It's got uh, Al Pacino, Michelle Pfeiffer, uh, Hector Elizondo, Nathan Lane. But yeah, I remember that one being a pretty good one. But that was when I was going down the list. I was like, "What character is not going to try to kill me?" Um, yeah, let's go with this one. Yeah, you don't want to go with who was he in? Uh, what was this in? In um, uh, Scarface? Uh, no, not Tony Montana. Not Tony Montana. Yeah, that, that would be the one you'd want to avoid. Mm-hmm. Would it be Tony Montana or Satan? Who would you want to hang out with? In that case, I'd yeah. probably the devil. <laughs> yeah. 
Because at least in that case, the devil might be predictable. Mm-hmm. I don't want. I don't want to be sitting there in the middle of the appetizers. Right. Say hello to my little friend. No, thank you. No, thank you. Nope, no thanks. I'm gonna, I'm gonna head out the door here. I'm out. All right, Bo. What was yours? Was uh, yours was the devil? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And I gotta say, that movie used to freak me out. Like I haven't seen, yeah. I haven't seen that, but I loved it. But it, especially when like the people's faces would change in some of the yeah, different scenes. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. For a good stretch of time, it was that and Event Horizon were like the two movies that I couldn't like. I really liked them, but at the same time, it was it was almost like you almost had to like prepare yourself to get ready to watch them. Mm-hmm. I was like, ah, I like these movies, and I just like very hesitantly start to put the VHS tape in. Let's be like, I yeah. I like these movies. I, really, I do. I I like these movies. I don't want to watch it, but I like them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think two two honorable mentions could have been um, um, uh, shoot. Hang on, let me scroll back. Carlito, Carlito would have been kind of fun to hang out with. Did you guys see Carlito's mm-hmm. way? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. He might be he might be kind of fun. And uh Lieutenant Vincent Hanna from Heat. That that I don't know that that good call. That that one would be pretty good, <laughs> but uh that one might be a little bit intense. So the okay, so you brought up Heat, so I have to 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 say it. The guys from Greatest Generation. Yes. In their donor feed a few years ago, they did Heat. Oh, because uh, uh, Greatest Gen or um, um, the uh, Friendly Fire? I think they did it as a Greatest Gen. It was one of their okay. Christmas like, donor feed things. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> Listen. <laughs> it's it's pretty good? Yeah. That's awesome. See if I can That's find a- it somewhere. That's awesome. You can't watch my TV! Nice. All right. Well, that's going to do it for episode number 305. That's going to do it for Godfather Part 3. Thank you, gentlemen, for being here. Oh, did I lose you? I can hear you, John. I, I might have lost you there for a second. Oh, there we go. I say we can hear you the whole time. Okay. All right. There we go. All right. Well, that's going to do it for episode 305. Thank you, gentlemen, for being here. Thank, Thank you, John. Yeah, there you uh, so uh, if you want to head over to 30podcast.com, that's got where you can find all of our other episodes that we've done up to this point at 30podcast on most of the different uh, social media outlets. Uh, you'll be able to find us there. And then our voicemail line, if you want to call in and just drop us a line there, it's 872-356-6843. Our next episodes, if you're wanting to kind of jump ahead a little bit and, and get ahead of the game and watch along with us, um, our crime month is what we're in the middle of now. Uh, next week is going to be Goodfellas. After that, Miller's Crossing. The week after that, Quick Change. And the week after that, Dick Tracy. And then, jumping forward even further, is our Time and Space Month. And this, I think this will be a fun one. I'm really looking forward to this one. Um, Back to the Future Part 3. Woo! We, we, we're going to become our own Greatest Generation podcast. And then we're going to do Star Trek The Next Generation, The Best of Both Worlds. Oh, fun. 
Like that, it, probably my favorite episodes of the Next Generation. Mm-hmm. If I had Definitely. to narrow, if I had to narrow it down, those are probably my two favorite episodes. Now, are we watching the two episodes, or are we watching the actual cut where they cut the two episodes into the movie? It depends on what we can find. Gotcha. Yep. Yeah, I'll uh, let you know. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I think when I was originally trying to track it down, it was the two separate episodes, but I know there's a cut out there that is both of them put together. Um, as if it was just one huge movie. Yeah. So, uh, and then finally, one that I have not seen since I was a kid, but I remember right, really liking it as a kid. Spaced Invaders. I love that movie. Did you? Pretty diarist scum, but pretty diarist scum. <laughs> I'm gonna make sure they carve that on your tombstone. <laughs> <laughs> I put for some reason, and I, they're probably a couple of years apart at least, but I kind of lumped that together. It must have been that I saw them around the same time. I lumped Spaced Invaders together with Suburban Commando. Oh sure, yeah, that's right. I, it must have been. I, when I think of that, when I thought of Spaced Invaders, I'm like, oh, Spaced Invaders with the aliens and the. And Suburban Command. I don't know why. It was like the next thought out of my head was Suburban Commando. So, all right. Um, hey, before we go, I was going to mention one of the guys on the um, uh, from the Surely You Can't Be Serious podcast had recommended a podcast to us. It was a D had mentioned the Winds of Change uh, or Wind of Change podcast. Have any of you guys okay. gone to listen to that one? Mm-mm. Oh, it is. It, it's good stuff. Um, the uh, conspiracy theory that the CIA helped write the Scorpion song Wind of Change to help destabilize uh, the Soviet Union. Oh. Yeah, it's, it's good stuff. stuff. And the funny thing is, and so now I actually want to do this as an episode for our podcast. Um, the guy who was the manager of the Scorpions at the time, who is currently the manager of KISS, uh, his name is Doc McGee. Um, who we were talking about Naples, Florida earlier. He lives down in Naples, Florida, because I just listened to the episode where they go down there and interview him. Um, he was their manager during this whole time where it's kind of in question as to whether or not uh, they wrote that song or if the CIA wrote that song to use as propaganda. Um, he apparently was instrumental in the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles doing their Coming Out of Their Shell tour in 1990. Hmm. Interesting. I was like... I was like all right, sir, and curious, sir. I am now even more interested. I actually had somebody who who listened to our podcast a few years ago um, had sent me like I couldn't find. I used to have a, a cassette tape of that um, Ninja Turtles tour that they did, where there was the Ninja Turtles um, kind of playing as a rock band, and uh, somebody actually sent me a bunch of MP3s of that entire album. Like nice. I, I mentioned somewhere I couldn't find my cassette tape anymore. And so this guy reached out to me on Twitter. He's like, hey, I got the whole thing. Just uh, give me your email address and I'll, I'll forward it along to you. It's awesome. So it's, awesome. it's, it's not good stuff. But as a kid, I loved it. But, you know, it's. Uh, was, the, was the guy that sent it to you? It's good for a 10-year-old. We'll put it that way. Was there the guy go. that sent it to you from New Zealand? No, I don't think he was. But if anybody from New Zealand wants to send us anything, then. Yeah. You know, and we he know, could. We know we're we're number one in your hearts. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Second Excited breakfast. Times, man. Second breakfast. Second breakfast. Second breakfast and the dulcet tones. There we go. All right. Well, in the meantime, everybody be excellent to each other. Go watch some good movies. Like we said, we've got some great ones coming up. Uh, so feel free to go check those out. Be excellent to each other, and we will see you back here next time.